let's jump into our sermon time. And like I said, I have less time, and I was trying to think, man, where, where do we go? Um, we're in Acts 13, if we just kept going through Acts. But, but since I have less time, and actually since we're in Acts 13, I, I, want, I want to pause for a moment, and we're going to just look at the Apostle Paul uh, today. Uh, in Acts, there's a shift once we get to chapter 13, and we, we follow Paul in his missionary journey. So we won't be in Acts 13. I know I just said that like three times, and now people are turning there. We're not going to be there today. We're going to go there next week. We're going to be in a lot of different places looking at, at who Paul is. Paul might be, besides Jesus, Paul might be the greatest person to ever live, and, and we can argue about that, but, but Paul is uh, truly amazing. He is a, a gift to the, the church, the body of Christ. He wrote 13 letters that you know, we call books of the Bible. Um, he, he did plenty of incredible things, and, and we'll just barely scratch the surface of, of, of that. But, but the reason that he lived the way he did, I mean, God radically transformed him. It's because of Jesus and I hope that we're encouraged, that we're challenged by Paul's devotion to Jesus. I, I hope that, that today we're, we're challenged by his great love for those who do not yet know Jesus. Um, Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 11, 1, he said, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. And, and I hope that, that we do that. So who was, who was Paul or, or uh, before chapter 13 is called Saul? Well, he was a Pharisee, uh, part of the strictest religious group among the Jews. And he had learned uh, under one of the biggest named uh, Pharisee teachers, uh, Gamaliel. Saul was Saul was his uh, star pupil. This is, what, this is what he said of himself in Galatians 1.14. He said, and I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. And, and his zeal truly was uh, unsurpassed. In Philippians 3.6, he, he said that according to the law, he was blameless. That is, a, that is a strong statement. But before he met Jesus, this was how he found meaning in his life. It was this meticulously following the letter of the Mosaic Law. And he was no doubt proud of his strict discipline in following the law better than others. And yet this is also the man that after meeting Christ, he, he called himself the chief of sinners. But it was his zeal that put him on a collision course with Christianity and with Christians. If this Christian way was in fact true, that, that Jesus was the Christ, that, that he was raised from the dead, then everything in Paul's life was meaningless. It, it had been a waste. And now in order to come to Christ, all of us, we, we have to face that, that the way we lived before Jesus was meaningless. But my guess is that for many of us, we already knew that, like way before we got to the dead end. Right? Maybe we tried several different ways of living, and each one resulted in, in, in just being a waste. But Saul or, or Paul had lived with devotion and zeal, and, and here is the message of Christ, and it's in direct opposition to how he's been living. In AD 32, Saul was the young man collecting coats as the people picked up stones to kill Stephen that we read about. 
And so he became, over the next year and a half, two years, the great persecutor of the church. And all of his zeal for the Hebrew scriptures, even though, even though he was misreading them, was now directed at eliminating what he believed to be false. And then on that road to Damascus in AD 34, he met Jesus. And, and I'm not going to go through the whole story. We have a sermon on that not that long ago from Acts 9. But, but Jesus said to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he was confronted with his rebellion against Jesus. And, and you don't have to be a Christian. You don't even have to read the Bible to look at what he was doing and go, go oh yeah, that, that is clearly a, a rebel against Jesus. But man, we are, all, we are all rebels against Christ until we confess him as Lord. And, and as we've gone through Acts, I know it's, it's historical event after historical event. It's just this rapid succession, and it can be hard to track like how much time is passing. But from Acts 9, where, where he, he, he uh, is, in, is converted and comes to know Jesus as Lord, to Acts 13, where we'll be next week, it's a period of like 10, 12 years. It's a, it's a long time. And that was helpful for me uh, when, when I learned that, because I had no idea. I just thought, oh, man, all these things happen. Maybe it's a couple years. No, it was, it was a long time, and, and I needed to know that because I find myself just, just wanting to skip through uh, time, right? Like I'm so impatient with time. I want to skip past the growing and just get to the results, right? I just want all the goods and, and miss the whole process. We're, we're this microwave culture, we, 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 we just want things right now, right away, when really God seems to work way more like, uh, like my Traeger, my, my smoker, right? Like I, I could probably cook a brisket in a microwave technically. I've never heard of anyone doing that, but you could probably do that. Um, but no, what you want to do is, is you want to smoke that thing for like 10, 12 hours and just get it saturated in that, that smoke, that slow cook. And we want results right now. But we know that God was working on Paul. And we know God was using Paul, right? We know that he was teaching. We know that he preached. Like, certainly God was, was already using him before he went on these missionary journeys. But it was more than a decade before the Holy Spirit sent him uh, off on this first missionary journey. So Paul goes from persecutor of the church to apostle of the church. He identified himself as an apostle. One of those places is Ephesians 1.1. He says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. So we know there were the 12 apostles. Uh, Judas took his life. They replaced him. And then there's also the apostle Paul. We, we can look back to Mark chapter 3. Um, Jesus, it says, and he, Jesus, went up on the mountain, and called to him those whom he desired, and they came to him. And he appointed 12, whom he also named apostles. And again, apostles means sent ones. So they might be with him, and he might send them out to preach and have authority to cast out demons. So when we talk about the 12 apostles and we talk about Paul, this is a, this is a special office, right? They're, they're not modern-day apostles. These, these are the, the uh, you could say, capital A apostles, right? These were people sent by Jesus with his authority. This is what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 6. He said, then he, this is Jesus, appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, last of all, 
as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. And I'm sure that there were times that Paul questioned if he really was an apostle because of, of his persecution of the church. I'm sure that there was uh, wrestling that, that happened quite often, but he also accepted that God had sent him, that God had set him apart. Galatians 1, 15 and 16 says, but when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles. I did not immediately consult with anyone. So he was an apostle set apart for this and, and it wasn't God scrambling like, oh, oh no, here's this great persecutor of the church. No, God had planned this before, before he was even born and, and that he would preach among the Gentiles. Now, when we come next week to chapter 13, suddenly his name goes from Saul to Paul. And I don't know about you, but growing up, somehow I thought that Saul was like the pre-Christian name, and then Paul was, was his, his new Christian name, uh, almost like he was a, a new creation, or, or he was a new creation, but because he was a new creation, he got this new name. Um, he was a new creation, but that's not why the, the name shifts. So, uh, and we'll get more into this next week, but Saul was his Hebrew name. He was from the tribe of Benjamin, right? The same Jewish tribe that the first king of Israel came from, King Saul. So there was certainly great pride in, in being from the tribe of Benjamin to, to be named after King Saul. Uh, Paul was his Roman name. Um, in Acts, Paul discloses that he was a Roman citizen, Roman citizen by birth. And we don't know how his father became a Roman citizen or if his father's father, we, we don't know that. Um, but uh, they, uh, everyone would have had three Roman names. Kind of like we, we have, th most of us, I should say, have three Roman names. So my full name um, is uh, Gregory Scott Goosetree, right? My mom, my mom picked names that she thought would look good on a book, which, sorry, mom, I don't think I got a book in me. Um, <laughs> We only know one of Paul's Roman names. And, and again, we'll get more into this next week, but it's, it's not that, oh, he became a Christian. This is his new name. Uh, when Saul was blinded after his encounter with Jesus, you might remember that, that God sent Ananias to Saul. And, and he said this to Ananias in, in chapter 9. He said, I will show him, that is Saul, how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. And Paul knew suffering intimately. It was a big part of his life. And, and I'll say this, uh, I don't want to suffer, right? I'm not looking to suffer. I'm, I'm a big wimp. I, uh, I got grumpy this morning when I woke up before I wanted to, right? Like I'm, uh, I'm a, a wimpy, wimpy man. But, but when I, I'm glad you find that funny. But when I suffer, funny because I'm not. Uh, <laughs> stop it. All right. But when I suffer, I do want to suffer well for Christ. Right? I, I, I pray, God, it, as suffering comes in my life, would you give me the grace to suffer in a way that honors you? Because we know scripture is clear. Like, we will all face hardship. Right? Jesus says, you're, you're going to have trouble in this life. Right? We're going to face persecution. America, 
We have not, Christians in America have not faced the persecution that the rest of the world through all of Christianity has faced, right? Uh, it, it, it will come, right? It is coming. It will get worse and worse. Christians will suffer in a variety of ways. And whatever amount I suffer, I, I want to, I want to follow I want to follow Paul and suffer like he did for Jesus again. He said, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Let's, let's listen to what he wrote in 2 Corinthians 1, 8 and following about, about his afflictions. He said, for we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our, uh, beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but that was to make us not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him, we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. So a few observations just jump out from that little passage. One is how strongly he felt uh, this suffering, right? Utterly burdened, despaired of life, felt like we received the sentence of death. The second is he sees a reason for his suffering. He says, to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. And third, that means that this was purposed by God. God was working to grow Paul in relying on God. Right? The reason for his suffering. This is the reason for his suffering. And God was working in and through all of it. And that helps me understand, okay, yeah, this is how Paul could suffer so much through Christ or for Christ. Right? The, the Holy Spirit is, is, is uh, revealing the love of God in his heart. He's trusting in God, and he's ready to suffer for Christ. This is how he doesn't throw in the towel. 2 Corinthians 11, he gives kind of this resume of his suffering. And starting in verse 23, he says, Are they servants? I'm a better one. I'm talking like a madman with far greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings and often near death. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews 40 lashes, less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and day I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure, and apart from other things, there's the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. And countless beatings, right? And he, and he separates the, the three times he was beaten by rods, which I, I guess makes sense. There's a lot we could talk about there, but let's just zoom in on the floggings. Five times he was flogged, 39 lashes, right? 40 lashes was the limit given uh, in the Hebrew scriptures, and they didn't want to accidentally miscount and go too far, so they would do 39 lashings, right? So Paul's out there, he's preaching in the synagogues to the Jews. They don't like it. Fast forward to them flogging him. No doubt he was bloodied by this. You don't get 39 lashings without, without your flesh being torn 
open. And we don't have, I don't have a good comparison, right? The, the, the best comparison I have is terrible. All I could think of was like, a, and guys do this, I'm guessing girls probably didn't do this, but guys, like after you go swimming with your friends or maybe in the locker room, like you'd, you'd get your towels out and you'd, you'd, you'd whip each other with it. Just stupid boy stuff, right? Our, your brain doesn't fully mature until you're like 25. So you, you do this stuff and, and you whip. And most of the time it's nothing. But then every once in a while you, you, you'd get someone and it hurt so bad. Again, I said, I'm a wimp, right? But man, Paul, now he, he's getting whipped. His back is getting torn open, right? Or just imagine like the, the bruising outside of even where he was whipped, Imagine the healing process without the ointments that we have, without like antibiotic cream to fight infections. Imagine trying to sleep, right? If he was, a, if he was used to sleeping on his back, man, he didn't get to do that for a long time. I don't know if it was obviously weeks. I don't know if it was months before he could again sleep on his back. I was, I was imagining like how long would it be before you'd put clothing back on over your back and then that, that first time you have to take that shirt off. And I, I, uh, I, I biffed uh, two weeks ago. I had this little scab right here. Um, and, and I bumped it like, I don't know, early last week. And it hurt so bad. Again, I'm really tough. It hurt so bad and it ripped the whole thing open. So the whole scab got to start the healing process over again. I was really happy. Man. We don't know, we don't know like how healed his back was the next time he got flogged, that, that second time, right? Is, 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 I mean, the scar tissue like isn't even fully developed yet. It's, it's, it's incredibly sensitive, I'm sure. But then comes the third flogging and then the fourth and then the fifth. And what amazes me is Paul didn't hate God for it. He knew God could stop it like that. Maybe, maybe you've gotten mad at God before. Paul didn't curse God. He was well aware that, that God could have put an end to this. But he trusted God. He willingly suffered for Christ. 2 Corinthians 4, 8 through 10, he says, We're afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. And he says, Always caring in the body, the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. And, and I read that, and I realize there's so much more depth there than the shallowness I, I blow by when I read those words. Right, Paul sees his sufferings, these, the beatings, the stoning, the, the five floggings as, as carrying in his body the death of Jesus. Paul's ready to suffer for the one who suffered for him. Galatians 2.20, you probably know this. He says, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Is that supposed to be only for Paul, the super apostle? No. No, Paul, Paul said, follow my example. And we saw this, we saw this acted out in baptism last week, right? We, we die with Christ. We are buried with him. Christ raises us 
to new life in him. Christ living in us, us living for Jesus, the one who gave himself up for us. Paul's, Paul's heart did not turn against God, even with all the suffering that he faced. And his heart didn't turn against the Jewish people either. Right? It's incredible that, that he didn't turn against his persecutors. Right? The five floggings came from his own people, and yet he would keep going back to the synagogue to preach the gospel, even though it resulted in his suffering. Why would he keep going back? Well, here's a couple reasons Paul gives us. We, these will not be on the screen, but the first was that this is God's design. Romans 1.16 says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also the Greek. He knew that this was by God's design. The second is he had a deep, deep love for his own people. Uh, these verses won't be on the screen either. Romans 9.2 he says that I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart, for I wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. Right? I wish, Paul's saying, I wish I could, I could be forever damned. I wish I could go to hell and they could be with Christ forever. They could know him. Romans 10.1, says, Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. Man, that's what he wanted. We, we see just this excellent example of God's great, great love. It could only be a love from God that, 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 that could make Paul love that way. And don't you just see Jesus' love in Paul? Right? Jesus said, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. Romans 5.3, and I, I gotta wrap up here. Romans 5.3, actually, I'm just gonna blitz through some more Paul's words. I won't add any commentary. Let's see if I can do it. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. Character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Acts 20, 24. But I do not account my life of any value nor precious to myself if I only may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And I'll end with this, Philippians 1.20, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not at all be ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Jesus, I thank you that you took this persecutor of the church and you made him into an apostle that, that blessed us, Lord. Years and years later, we are blessed by the books that he wrote. And Lord, we don't want to look at Paul and idolize him. Lord, we want to look at Paul and see you, Jesus. So God, as, as we continue in Acts in the, in the coming weeks and months, Lord, would our hearts see you, Jesus? Would you stir in our hearts a love for you? Would we know you? Would we want to follow you and honor you with our lives, Lord? We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen.